0: As uh, we've already been introduced, we're uh, Darren and Shauna Davis. Um, we started out in uh, church planting in a rural part in Zambia 25 years ago. Uh, we raised our three children on the mission field. They're now living back here in the United States. They all live in the state of North Carolina, uh, and they're married. Uh, our oldest is married, and we have two grandsons. So uh, we are so happy and so thankful for those two uh, grandsons. They are just the best, and we're just so thankful that we get to enjoy them from time to time. Um, You know, when you start out on a trip, you need to know where you're going. In fact, if you don't chart that course out, some along the way you might end up going in the wrong direction. Having a clear vision, having a clear picture of where you're headed is so important regardless of what we do. Whether it's a journey across the state of Tennessee, or whether it is raising your kids, or whether it is being a married couple, knowing where you want to get to is critically important to what you do today. Well, it's very true also when it comes to God and His work. God is about a vision. He is moving in a very specific, in a very particular direction. He is headed to a specific place. And as we, His church, go and move in the way He wants us to, we better understand where that is, what that is, and how all that plays into what we are doing. Shauna, I'm sorry. My notes are on her phone, and uh, for some reason, it wouldn't recognize my face, but it it, it usually does. They say you look alike. Yeah. <laughs> so a good crystal clear vision is so important. You know, and Jesus wanted his followers, his disciples, to know where he was headed. He wanted them to know what he was about. So this morning, or this evening, we're going to look at Acts, chapter 1, and we're going to look at, a, at the vision misunderstood. The vision misunderstood. What a tragedy it is when we misunderstand the vision, when we don't get the vision clearly. Now, sometimes we miss the vision because we get so distracted. I mean, we all have lots to do, don't we? We have a busy week, week after week. Every day, we have things we've got to do. We have kids we've got to raise. We've got grandkids we need to play with. We've got responsibilities. And it's easy to get distracted. Even from the vision of our own family or the vision of our own work, we can get distracted and we can lose sight of the vision. Well, that's also the case when it comes to the vision God has given us. The church must be careful that we keep sight of the vision that God has called us to. There is an African proverb that says, If you wish to move mountains tomorrow, you must move stones today. If you want to move mountains tomorrow you must move stones today. Africans are excellent at dealing with that which is within their control and not worrying about those things which are not in their control. We want to control everything, don't we? We want to make sure everybody is doing what we want them to do. We want to make sure the weather is cooperative. We try to control things. Africans are amazing at living in an environment a dealing and addressing those things which they can control and not worrying about those things which they cannot control. If you want to move mountains tomorrow, you move stones today. That's understanding where you're going, that's understanding where you're headed. Now, as we move into Acts chapter 1, this is right after the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He was about to ascend to be with the Father. So his vision was very much on his mind, very much on his heart. He was reminding his followers about the kingdom. In fact, as he prepares for his ascension, he reminds them. And he, he reminds them that the kingdom of God is at hand, that the kingdom of God is not of this world. That the kingdom of God, one has to repent and turn away from their sins. We are to be a light. These are things that he was reminding his followers about. He was reminding them about the vision of all nations, all people, everywhere, knowing and worshiping him. That's where he was headed. That's the direction. But did his followers understand? Did they get it? Let's look at Acts chapter 1, and I want to read verses 3 through 11. <clears throat> to these he also presented himself alive after his suffering, by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days, and speaking of things concerning the kingdom of God. And gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised. Which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now listen to what the, his followers said. And so when they, the, the disciples, the, the, the followers, had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you were restoring the kingdom to Israel And so when they had come, I'm going to read it again. And so when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, "'Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel?' He said to them, "'It is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority,' But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest part of the earth. I want us to look at that verse 6. And I want us to understand that this is the vision misunderstood. The vision misunderstood. Now, Jesus had cast that vision he had declared that vision. He had communicated that vision, but the disciples didn't get it. What did they say? Is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to what? To Israel? How easy it is for us only to see the people right around us. How easy it is to think what God is doing is all about us, all about our country our nation, our family, our people. But what these disciples, as they think about Israel, God is saying, no, you misunderstand. You are not getting it. What a question. I'm sure I would think if Jesus could get discouraged, he would have been. I mean, he had been telling them, he had been teaching them, he had been sharing this vision with them, and they still think it's all about... Israel, all about their own people, it's an, this is either an extremely unfortunate question or it's a reasonable question. I'm not sure which one Jesus would say it is. John Piper argues that it's a reasonable question because the, the apostles, that they knew the Old Testament promise of the outpouring of God's Spirit. This is seen in Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel. So, some would say this is an understandable question, that the restoration of Israel would be, uh, would be on their mind. John Calvin, on the other hand, stated that there were as many errors in their question as there are words in the question. So, John Calvin, he saw this as a, uh, as a question full of errors and misunderstanding regardless of what we whether we think it's reasonable or whether we think it is extremely unfortunate the reality is it is a misunderstanding of the mission and the vision that God has given to us you see the vision here is very ethnocentric it's very us focused it's very me centric So, what does Jesus do? If we look in verses seven and eight, Jesus patiently, carefully restates the vision. Restates the vision. The apostles misunderstood it, so Jesus says it again It is not for you to know when, it is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. You see, the Father is the one that knows these things. We do not know God's plans. We don't know His timing. We don't know when He's going to come and restore uh, us to Him. We don't know when these things are going to happen. And and, uh, uh, Jesus says, hey, apostles, disciples, don't worry about what you can't control. Don't worry about what you have nothing you can do about But here's what you can do. And he restates the vision. He says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. This is something they had heard before, this is something they had recognized before. You will be my witnesses. Not only does he say, you will be my witnesses, but you have the Holy Spirit is going to be given to you. You will receive power from him. He will be with you. He will work through you. He will make of this possible. And you shall be my witnesses. Where? He lays out exactly where. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria. And to the remotest part of the earth. You see, this vision that was misunderstood, Jesus takes it and patiently, carefully, with kindness and carefulness, restates and clarifies, hey, this is what this is about. It's not about me restoring the kingdom to Israel. It is about all people. Injured Jerusalem, all people in Judea, all people in Samaria, all people in the, to the uttermost parts of the earth, knowing that I came, gave my life, and want to redeem them. He wants them to know about him. This is the vision restated. Oh, this vision is beautiful. This view- vision is a vision of all. It's not a vision just for Memphis, is it? It's not a vision just for Tennessee. It's not a vision just for the United States. It is a vision that is for all, all tribes, all people, all nations, because He covers every square inch of the earth in verse 8. He says, Jerusalem, that's like Memphis, that's where they were. He said, Judea, that's like Tennessee. Samaria, that's like the Southeast. The uttermost is the ends of the earth. The uttermost. God has the uttermost on his heart. You see, his vision is for all. His vision is for every. His vision is so that every nation, every tribe, every language will know. And where there is a misunderstanding of the vision, he is quick to graciously With kindness, with respect, and gentleness, restate it. And make sure we don't miss it. And here's the thing. All believers have a helper. All believers have a helper. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit, when we believe as Baptists, When we turn away from our sin and we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the Holy Spirit is given to us. We have the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we are all equally capable of being His witnesses. Are we doing our part? Are we doing our part to engage in this vision? Are we doing what... God has called us to do. Are we taking that power that the Holy Spirit is... Because of the Holy Spirit living in us. And are we engaged in sharing and helping others know and understand Jesus Christ? Titus chapter 3 verses 3 through 7 says... For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray... through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by His grace, He might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. That is us. Redeemed, transformed, Holy Spirit empowered. In my first year in Zambia, I met a a man named Hastings Chipango. Hastings Chipango was a drunkard. One day when he was walking back to his grass hut down a road, he was stumbling and falling over, he was so drunk, he matched this verse of Titus chapter 3, uh, foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to passions and pleasures. This verse is what Hastings Chipango was. He was a drunkard. He would walk down the road and he'd fall over. Well, one day, another Zambian man, as he passed Hastings, he tried to witness to him. And Hastings was too drunk to understand. So he took a track and he put it. He gave it to Hastings. And Hastings went home. He passed out. The next day, he woke up and he read that track. He tracked down the man that gave it to him and he was miraculously saved. He turned away from his sins. He turned away from his drunkenness. He turned away from uh, that which was uh, enslaving him, and he began to live for the Lord. His wife is named Mary. They had children. The whole family was transformed by the power of the gospel. Just like you, just like me, the Holy Spirit was given to him, and the and, and he knew that he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. I mean, after all, it says it right here. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. We believe that we have the Holy Spirit. He believed that he had the Holy Spirit. And he began to share the good news of Jesus Christ. He began to tell people what God had done for him. Within uh, a year, he, was, he had started a church. A few years later... He became a missionary. The Zambian Baptist Convention, called the the Baptist Fellowship of Zambia, they gathered some money together and they sent his family to a remote part of Zambia. And here we see Hastings, Mary Chipango, and their children going from living out that Titus 3 where they were once foolish, living after their passions, all the way through to the the, the, verse 6, when he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, he was transformed. And he went from drunkard to missionary. And he began to start churches in this rural area of western Zambia. This is what we're talking about. This is the vision that Jesus was giving to the apostles. He was giving to the disciples. Unfortunately... They misunderstood it, but he restated it, and it helped them, and it helps you, and it helps me. It helps Hastings see this vision. You see, our vision is so much greater and so much more than just about one city, so much more than just about one church. It's about all. Sub-Saharan Africa, we have over 2,700 different people groups, 2,700 people groups. Most of those have their own languages, they have their own cultures, and our task, if we read Revelation 7-9 correctly, is that every one of those 2,700 need to hear the gospel, need to respond to the gospel, need to have churches started among them because Revelation 7-9 says there will be a multitude from every nation, people, tribe, and language knowing and worshiping our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's the Revelation 7-9 vision. And in sub-Saharan Africa, there's 2,700. We have 45 countries Sub-Saharan Africa is massive in geography. It's 2.3 times larger than the United States. It's a massive area. We need Africans to understand that it's not about restoring Africa. It's not about their people group. It's about them sharing the gospel among their people group, but then going to the next place and the next place. You see, we believe that African churches are on the verge of sending out African missionaries because that vision is not just for us in the West. That vision is for all. So when people get saved, like Hastings, then he doesn't just get saved to live there in his little village and to lead his church, but his mind and his thoughts are on the ends of the earth because that's what's on God's heart. What's on God's heart? It, it, Memphis is on God's heart. But so is Malawi. So is the backside of the desert in Botswana. Central Africa is on His heart. China is on his heart because his heart is not about one nation. His heart is not about one people. His heart is about all nations, all people. So, as we think about this vision, this vision that's for all, as we think about this vision that was misunderstood, as we think about this vision that That Jesus clarified. He correctly clarified. Is our vision. For our life. For our family. For our church. Is it about one? Is it about local? Is it about my family? Is it about my situation? Or is it about all? Because God wants us to lift our eyes. He wants us to see beyond just what's in front of us. And He wants us to lift and see the nations. His desire is that He is worshipped in the uttermost parts of the earth. Our vision needs to be about our Jerusalem, our Jerusalem. It needs to be about also our Judea. It needs to be about our Samaria. It needs to be about the ends of the earth. This is the vision we see here. He says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and even Jerusalem to the remotest parts of the earth. And then look at verse 9. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky, while he was departed, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them, And they also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? (laughs) Why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come just in the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem and they waited upon the Holy Spirit. And then if we look throughout the book of Acts, what do we see? We see the gospel going from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria, and here we are today. (laughs) To Paul, to the apostles, to the disciples of Jesus' day, this is certainly the uttermost parts of the earth, isn't it? This is the uttermost to them. But you see, the uttermost to them becomes the Jerusalem to you and me. But we have a tendency to let that that Jerusalem become our focus. But just like Paul, just like Silas, just like Barnabas, just like the other disciples, we must lift our eyes and see that the nations are there. And we need to be about giving, praying, sending, going, so that the nations will rejoice. Just last month, we had the privilege, we had the opportunity to go to a Central African country. It was an unreached and unengaged people group. That means that basically there was, they had no access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We had the opportunity to go there. Now, to get there, it was not easy. It was expensive. But it was worth it because this was a people group. This was one of those uttermosts. This is one of those people groups that God wanted, wants to be worshiping around His throne. So we had the opportunity to go. So we went. We started praying for this people group in 2020. We began to pray for them. We began to learn about them. We began to try to understand more about who they are. We began to understand more about the kinds of things that, uh, uh, that made them unique. We learned that they're a Muslim people group. 99.9% of them call themselves Muslim. Well, usually Muslims are very, very difficult to engage with the gospel. But we were going to them. They were refugees living outside of their country. Uh, And so we we made our way there. And we knew that there was a handful of Christians. And my job while I was there was to train some leaders. We began praying for them in 2020. There was maybe 75 to 100 believers out of about 120,000 people. We got there and uh, after two or three years of praying, those number of believers went from about 75 to 100 up to about 250, just in a few years, and five churches had started. And so I had the opportunity to go and train these leaders, and as I taught them just basic things, what does it mean to be baptized? How do you baptize? What's the biblical meaning of baptism? Baptism. How do you do and share the Lord's Supper, and what does it mean in the uh, lessons around the Lord's Supper? What does it mean to be a leader? What does a biblical leader look like? How do you share the gospel and present the gospel in a clear way so that other Muslims can understand it and receive it? So we, we did all of this teaching, and as we taught, I was, I was stunned and encouraged and deeply encouraged Because the questions, by the time I would introduce the lesson for the day, baptism or Lord's Supper, by the time I got the introduction out there, they would start raising their hands, asking questions about baptism, asking questions about Lord's Supper. Basically, I just put my notes aside, and I answered their questions, and it taught the lessons. You see, there are people like that all around the world that are hungry to know what this book means because they, want, they have seen how this book transforms their lives. They have seen how this book gives them hope, how the relationship with Christ gives them joy, how the relationship with Christ helps them to love one another and to love God. And here this people group in a hot, dusty, desolate place They were worshiping and wanting to know and wanting to grow in their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. The nations, all peoples, have an opportunity and they want to know more about Christ. You know, as we look here at this example, as we look at Acts chapter 1 and we see this misunderstanding this misunderstanding of the vision that God has given them. What a tragedy it is if we, the church, in 2023, we lose sight of this vision. And we become inward focused. We begin to think that it's really about us. When, it's, when God all along has said, no, it is about us. The encouraging thing is that from everything we can see as we study the book of Acts, these disciples, they figured it out. They figured it out. They made the change. They, empowered by the Holy Spirit, engaged in making sure their world Their Jerusalem, their Judea, their Samaria, their uttermost heard the gospel, and it's made its way all the way to here. And now, you are sending missionaries there. We work with Baron Muga. I don't know if any of you know him, but he is uh, from Bellevue, and one of our missionaries, Lauren Malusky is also one of your missionaries that are sent out, and I know there are many, many others, but those are two we get the pleasure of working with. But I want to end with this. Here's something that's happening. For the last 40, 50 years, the West, meaning the U.S. and Europe, they have sent the majority of missionaries overseas. But that's no longer true. Now, the majority of missionaries are coming from places like the America, uh, South America, Africa, China. The majority of missionaries are being sent from those places to all over the world. So it used to be that the West sent missionaries to the rest, but now missionaries are being sent from everywhere to Everywhere. And this is what God's plan is. Because just like that Hastings, Chipango, who stumbled down the road and was drunk and fell over, got saved. What does God want to do with him? Is the same thing He wants to do with you and me. Give us a passion and a heart for the Great Commission. Because all nations, all people, need to hear and be taught all things so that their people... Can, be, can worship because the Revelation seven nine vision is for the the picture is around the throne. I mean, imagine this: we're around the throne, and we're with people from all over the world. They look different, they sing different, they talk different. We're all together worshiping the one, the one who deserves our worship, our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. That is what Acts chapter 1 verse 6, that misunderstood vision, God corrected that vision, corrected that misunderstanding, and now he says, lift up your eyes, see the nations, and engage the nations for his glory. That's what we have the opportunity to do. We do that because people like you are Are giving, praying, sending, and we want to thank you for that. We've had the privilege of serving for 25 years. Many people ask us, well, I mean, what a sacrifice, but we would tell you that it is a pure joy. We love it. We enjoy it. We miss seeing our grandsons. We miss seeing our kids, but we get to be, we get to watch God engage the nations. And we get to serve Southern Baptists, Southern Baptist churches. And we get to be about seeing the gospel go to the nations. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you for allowing us to share this with you. And thank you for the part you play in engaging the nations for Jesus Christ. We are eternally grateful. And we are so thankful to be here this week. Let me lead us in a word of prayer, and I'll turn it over. Father God, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your kindness. We thank you for this clear vision that compels us to go to the nations. And Father, I, I thank you. Because of this vision, the gospel made it to Tennessee. The gospel made it to the United States. That was the uttermost, and now the gospel is moving around the world. And Father, we pray that you would help us and allow us to be a part of what you're doing to engage the nations for your glory and for your kingdom. Father, help us not to misunderstand this vision, but help us have a correct understanding of it and engage in it, be a part of it, and watch you. Impact the world for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, all these things, amen.